Welcome to Breakpoint, the ServiceNow Developer Podcast. Here's your host, Chuck Tomasi. Hello, ServiceNow admins, builders, developers, and curious individuals. And I say that with the utmost respect. Today, we are going to talk about now experience components with our very special guest, Wolf Wedemeyer. How are you, Wolf? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. Welcome to the show. Uh, we just talked to each other in real time. We just talked to each other recently on Tech Now. So uh, things should still be fresh in both of our minds as far as that content goes. The listener is going to be getting this a couple of weeks after. So we're, we're working on catching up. We're that shortening that latency. But before we get started, let's tell the listener a little bit about who is Wolf Wedemeyer. Sure. Uh, let's see here. Where do I start with? So I grew up on the East Coast. I moved out to the West Coast, uh, you know, partway through my career for an opportunity I couldn't turn down. I was doing enterprise software development stuff, but it was in a very different industry from ServiceNow at the time. I um, Then I started contributing to some open source projects. One of them happens to be another UI framework. And that was actually one of the things that got the the team that I ended up joining, you know, their attention towards me, and they wanted someone to help work on the ServiceNow framework, which is the Now Experience UI framework. So I've been working on that now for the past two years and really enjoying it. And outside of work, what do you like to do when you're not at work? Uh, well, I I'm a musician, although with the way things have been during quarantine and everything, I have been performing as much lately. But I still do like making music in the time I have. Um, so I do like, I have a lot of audio projects. I also like to do video and photography on the side. And that's led me to start a couple of different projects, including the latest is a new YouTube channel I have called Barely Functional Dev that I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit at some point. I love it. I've been watching every one of those videos. They're, Thank they're, you. They're insightful. They're clear. You've got the diagrams. You, you know, you do a great job explaining that stuff. And I'm, yeah. I, I'm I'm watching it advance as we go through the concepts, but uh, you still keep it real. Thank you. Other than that, I I like to read, and also I've been writing recently, doing some blog um, posts on different topics, most of them technical, although some are a little more business organizational thoughts that I have on different things. Well, you you mentioned something that you know I leveraged in my career as well, and that was you know you talked about the open source framework that you contributed to. That was mm -hmm. voluntary, right? Yeah, that was completely just something I came across and kind of struck me as, oh, this is the kind of philosophy I like to build. It's very minimal type of software is how it was marketed. It's less than a kilobyte of you know code that you have to ship. So I was like, wow, I wonder how they managed to get that done. And then from there, it kind of took off and I ended up contributing some core features to the library and ended up building some libraries around it, helping their ecosystem out. The The name of the library is HyperApp, by the way. And for those who haven't done something like this, it's a bit of a, a career advice. I did something similar with writing, did some volunteer writing for a publication, and that led to other things that indirectly and directly are tied to my job today. So you know, give, give, give. And even though your partner or your spouse may look at you a little funny and go, why are you spending all this time doing this thing that doesn't pay? It will pay. Trust me. And oh, in, in every case, whether yeah. it's direct job opportunities or you wind up leveraging it in your next job and say, you know, I've also got this other skill set. Wow. It, it really, uh, it really pays dividends. 
Yeah, it really helps to build up your own personal brand. That's something I've been focused on a lot this year. Uh, I presented at Knowledge virtually because of coronavirus and everything. But that was one of the first times I had an opportunity from within ServiceNow to start you know, publicly sharing my thoughts. And I'm just going to keep building on that as much as I can. Thank you for this opportunity, by the way. <laughs> You're welcome. And you mentioned parts. So let's talk about parts or more specifically, now experience and its parts. What Tell the listener, give them an overview of what is now experience for those that have not heard of it. Yeah, I think it's important to understand that the Now Experience is actually a whole ecosystem. It's not just the pieces that I'm going to be talking about. So it includes some command line tools we have called the Now CLI. It includes the framework pieces that I'll be you know, mostly focused on is my current day job, and that's the Now Experience UI framework. So it comes with some building blocks that you can use to develop components from scratch. And then there's some existing components that we already provide out of the box for things like buttons and modals and all those types of dialogues, all those types of different things. And then the last piece of it is to actually use those components and put them to use in your instance. There's the UI builder, which is the the piece that kind of ties everything together. Nice. And and just for a quick historical reference, uh, you may be saying, and I know some people are asking this, well, what about Jelly? What about AngularJS? Why do we want to build on now experience? Well, we realized that you know Jelly was a good framework at the time when ServiceNow was first being born in the uh, early to mid 2000s and it worked as a framework. But as we progressed, it, we found some limitations, most notably in the talent pool. Uh, you know, you can't just call up a temp agency and say, I want a Jelly programmer. And then uh, about 2012, 13, 14, we said, well, let's look at what a new technology would be. And we adopted AngularJS for Service Portal. And uh, that worked out well until Google said, mm, nah, <laughs> so we were left hanging with another abandoned technology. And went, well, OK, we're not going to be maintaining this thing. So fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. We said we need a way to insulate our developers, insulate our customers from this technical debt and having to retrain. Trust me, I'm, I'm not real thrilled about learning a new language and framework and technology, but with any luck, this will be the last time because it's it's in we've created middleware is the wrong word, but it's it's a layer to protect us against from whatever the underlying technology is. I don't have to go and learn React. I don't have to go and learn uh, you know, whatever the new technology is in three or five years. We'll still be building web components using the same technology and uh, you know accessing those APIs and libraries through the component building process. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, it's, that's well stated. Okay. So... Given that, a lot of people ask me, what about Service Portal? Is it going away? Uh, so I mean, the short answer is no. It's still support. We're not dropping support for the existing software. This is going to be focused on the newer UIs going forward is the plan. Um, and, it, you know, in terms of, I think that there's a related question about whether you should convert existing software into this or not. And that's kind of a business decision that's up to you, whether the effort that is worth it or not. Um, I'm not trying to tell you how to do your job here. And I liken this to the same story we have around Legacy Workflow and Flow Designer. Legacy Workflow has been out since 2008. We have a lot of people that use it and built stuff on it. And while there's no one-to-one -one conversion tool, I mean, everybody's dream would be push a button and I'm up to the new technology. Uh, there are different 
architectures underneath and different mm-hmm. capabilities to support that. I mean, completely different architectures. But we will continue to support legacy workflow. We will continue to support service portal. We're just going to slow down the R&D and put it in more of a maintenance mode going forward. We would have a lot of bummed out customers if suddenly we said, oh, guess what? In Quebec, we're not shipping service portal. So get your portals updated. <laughs> like, no, That would be a bad experience and customers would revolt. So we, we will still have it. I spent the last year building out a service portal application and it will continue to work going forward. Ideally, at some point in three or five years, I might be smart enough to, you know, backport that or or forward port it to a now experience, build components and and make it a nicer experience from that standpoint. So, yeah, I'm glad it's it's sticking around and we have the luxury of learning now experience and migrating at our own pace. But looking forward, obviously, you want to start to adopt the new technology as soon as possible, because that will be the strategic move. Yeah, and I would say that the two are going to coexist peacefully together. And in fact, uh, I'm not going to give any specific guidance for the future, but I will say that that integration between the two will be improving going forward as well. Oh, that's an interesting discussion that we kind of tapped into on the webinar in the Q&A anyway, is, is, is there some sort of integration between those two that we could use components in portal or portal widgets in now experiences and you don't have to give me details but is that something that we we should be looking forward to or as a as a migration strategy yeah i can't make any specific guidance or promises on that but i will say that that is something we're looking at and expect updates on that in the near future all right that's exciting news (laughs) now i know how to answer that question so right now the now experience is mainly workspace right the agent workspace uh, that we've had for a few releases. Do we have a timeline when the standard UI, our normal lists and forms, will be based on now experience and their components? Yeah, I don't have any specific guidance on that. But like I said, the, we'll be focusing the development of uh, new features on that. And there will be some integrations that will allow the two to coexist. And there will be some migrations happening, but I can't give any specific promises when that will happen. So I suspect it's going to look something like um, when you put the the performance analytics widgets into a current form. You know, you can do the analytics in a form deal mm-hmm. that it would it would spice up the experience. But we may still be dealing with some legacy things until there's a, a full blown transition of features. Uh, and, you know, get closer to feature parity. Okay. Yes. Here's the here's the two dollar question for us newbies. What skills are required to get started building some of these components? Yeah, I would say it's important to realize that because we're building on top of web standards, that you should start by learning those web standards. So things like HTML, DOM, CSS, mm-hmm. and modern JavaScript, those are the things you should start by learning in order to build really any front-end application today, but especially because our framework is built so heavily on top of those. And you say modern JavaScript, I assume you mean ES6? <laughs> yeah, ES6 or newer. There are some there are some features out there, you know, that are even newer, but none of them are required for any of the development that you'll okay. be doing. And I just wanted to point out that I was talking with a customer uh, a little while ago who hadn't had any ServiceNow experience until mid-April of this year. So basically four months ago. And in that time, 
actually before we even talked to them, they had these done before we talked to them. In that time, he had built out three components. So roughly three, three and a half months, which I thought was fantastically impressive. You know, it made me feel old. <laughs> That's nice. I've been doing this for 35 years and I go, I'm not sure I could have picked that up that fast. But you know, so it it is perfectly doable. And, and I've got that next leap to make to learn the nuances of ES6. You've helped me with some of your videos on your YouTube channel to introduce me to filter and map and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and, and I've also heard from some of those things uh, uh, from a colleague of mine who is at my last company, who is also a customer. And, mm-hmm. and I know that that we keep getting asked as a company, when are we going to get the main platform on ES6? And if you're looking for that answer today, I don't have it for you. I apologize. But our our development team is keenly aware that it is a request and it is on the roadmap. So another one of those safe harbor, even if I could tell you, I'd have to kill you things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay. So that's the easy part is getting started. What's the hardest things for developers to wrap their head around when getting started building these now components? Yeah. So there's the standards that I already mentioned, which are, of course, universally known and, and understood. But there's also a few other standards that we build upon in order to provide the encapsulation model for the components. So there's web components or custom elements, whichever one you want to refer to it as. Mm-hmm. That model is it's universal in terms of its adoption and support across the different browser platforms, but it's not utilized a whole lot heavily at this point in industry. So we're kind of laying some, you know, we're being a little bit of a trendsetter there in terms of utilizing that. So that's an area that you might be less familiar with and need to brush up more on. The other one is something called Shadow DOM. And this is what provides the style encapsulation for the components so that they don't bleed into each other. And that behavior is not necessarily intuitive to someone who's used to working at, you know, where styles just cascade all over the place. Um, And so it's a benefit, but it's also something that's, you know, a little bit different, something you need to watch out for, basically. Okay. And I am one of those people that's not familiar with the Shadow DOM. So how would you introduce that to me so... I, know, I can understand and know what the nuances is. Obviously, said CSS is impacted somehow by that, right? Yeah. So it's like within your component, it's kind of like a whole brand new document route where you don't get like styles cascading into it from outside of it. And so as a result, you get total control over how things show up in your components. And that's good for making sure that we have consistency across them. But that also means that you have to. Th- you know, design a little bit, think a little bit differently in terms of how you want your styles to be built sometimes. Is it almost like a privately scoped DOM? Yes, kind of like that. Oh, okay. <laughs> good. Well, the good thing about building on top of these standards is that there's tons of existing documentation, resources. There's even like online learning material available for them. It's just because there are, some of these are less utilized than others, you're going to you know need to dig a little deeper in order to get all that information, but at least the information's out there. That's helpful as opposed to something like Jelly that I know <laughs> there's at least three videos on that that I made in 2013. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, I, I know this is a bit of a loaded question, but what's your favorite feature or or benefit about the Now experience? You know, I honestly, I I, I can't pick. They're all so good. <laughs> they're all they're all they're all special. They're all wonderful. I yeah, I I, I don't really want to play favorites here. Spoken like a true politician. Yeah, there's an election coming up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Oh, good answer though. If if everything is way high on the list, then it's hard to pick. Yeah. What's the one thing 
you want every developer to remember when building components? What's that thing that that could get them into trouble? A best practice or a tip or some website to visit? What's what's that one takeaway that you go, this is what you really want to know? Yeah, I think, um, well, there, actually, there are several different ways we could go with that. But I think the way I want to take that is to just keep in mind that the um, the view, and I haven't talked too much about the different pieces of the actual framework at this point. I don't know if we want to dig into them, but the view is um, something that sometimes people don't understand, um, you know, needs to be treated in a specific way where the state of your application comes, or at least state of the component comes into the view. Mm-hmm. And you should treat that state that comes into it as you know, read only and that you shouldn't try, you should avoid doing business logic in your view and you should keep all of that complexity separate. Um, that's something that's, you know, common across all different UI paradigms of programming these days, but it's something that I would just reiterate strongly for this because it's something that comes up with uh, newer users a lot. So I know you could get away with some of that in in, in Angular JS. Your HTML can be making decisions and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Is is this more of a true model view controller model? I I know a lot of people like to compare it to other paradigms like MVC that they're familiar with, but mm-hmm. I would I would caution you to do that because it is such a different paradigm. To be honest with okay. you. Um, but I mean, the view part of it is somewhat similar in terms of the role it plays, right? Um, the controller logic is really where things get very different between the patterns. And just in case you're wondering, dear listener, I am not playing the part of the ignorant programmer. I am the ignorant programmer. At this point. <laughs> These are honest questions that I've got on your behalf. So if you've got other ones, what's a great way for people to reach out to you and get in contact with you, Wolf? Yeah, um, I would say so in in terms of all the different things I've got going on, we talked about the, the channel and the fact that I blog and all those things. So I have a landing page uh, website you can go to, which is my domain is okwolf, O-K-W-O-L-F dot com. And that'll give you links to all the different areas where you can find me and reach out to me and all that sort of thing. Very clever domain name. Awesome. Well, thank you. thank you for joining me this time, and I hope we have another chance to speak again soon after I get a little more experience, of course, and have a project that I want to uh, incorporate into the Now Experience components. Sounds great. Thank All you. Right. Talk to you later. All right. Please let us know what you think about this podcast. You can leave feedback or ask questions in the ServiceNow community. For more great information on ServiceNow development, check out the ServiceNow developer portal at developer.servicenow.com. Thanks for listening. Mm